This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. I come to you too, or whatever. You know, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. We welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals, kapusta, bumpy, padoe, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of Polish tradition there. Hey, Akshamash, everybody. Welcome to the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys check out Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your uh, you know, Wisconsin Badgers news notes. Obviously, tonight, uh, ch- check out our game thread as your Wisconsin Badgers take on Prairie View and Yeah, Prairie View, oh, Texas A&M, uh, CC. So uh, we'll have some fun there. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> big news, but yeah, good times, right? Uh Let's say, yeah, the uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi Islanders. Uh, we'll see if the Badgers can get back and uh, get the W after two rough losses. We'll talk about that a little later uh, in the show, talking about what they can do to, to kind of just stop the bleeding there with this young. It's a young team, to say the least. Uh, some news real quick before we talk some Badgers. We got Evan Tex Western from Acme Packing Company, uh, a UW grad. Uh, and one of our fine friends over at the SB Nation site that covers the Green Bay Packers. I'm we'll on just a quick second to talk some Packers. Uh, we'll, we'll throw him into the fire. I know he's listening off beat right now, so we'll have some fun with it. But it looks like uh, Corey Clement, the junior running back, there's reports uh, that running backs coach John Settle told reporters today, among them Jeff Petrikas, uh, that uh, from Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, that he will return for his senior year. And so that Settle, that he told Settle that he would return for his senior year. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Clement and obviously behind that offensive line next year that's seemingly starting to grow a little bit and it seems like they took a step forward against Minnesota. Can they do that against USC? Uh, we'll say that for next show. But uh, before any of that, and before we'll talk some Joe Schobert too, uh, the former walk-on that made a big name for himself uh, this year and also started in the last three plays of the Outback Bowl last year. Uh, with some TFLs and some stops. Uh, we'll talk about his accolades being named first team All-American by the FWAA, the Football Writers Association of America. So we'll we'll talk about that too and what he's meant and, and where we think that he'll go in the NFL. We can we can dabble in that maybe down the road. But we're going to talk, obviously it's a big week uh, for the, you're looking at obviously Green Bay Packers coming off their win against the Dallas Cowboys. And we have Evan Tex Western on. Evan, how you doing, my good man? How is your evening? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, an interesting matchup with Oakland on Sunday. You know, Tex, I, we come off of this win now watching the Packers with Mike McCarthy calling plays again, and the offense looked better. They ran the ball a little bit more. Um, but obviously it's a small sample size. I guess a lot of people have been asking me, and I don't know the answer, and maybe you do, what went into the, the thought process, the decision for Mike McCarthy to take over the play calling again? Well, I mean, obviously people were clamoring for it. The offense seemed a little out of sync. But what kind of went into that decision? And in, in your mind, other than the fact that they ran the ball more, what was different about the way Mike McCarthy called the game on Sunday? Well, I think there were a lot of factors that played into him making the decision when he did. And, I mean, you mentioned it. It's, it's been an offense that has really struggled since really since week three or so. Um, and, and I don't know if there's any particular you know, thing that we can point to that this was the, the, the deciding factor on why it had to be this week. But, um, you know, I think you, you certainly saw a renewed focus on the running game. Uh, obviously, you know, big games from, from Lacey and Starks. Uh, one of the things that seemed to be improved too was just the, the overall communication and the flow of the offense. Um, you know, you've seen so many times early on this season that um, you, know, you get down into 
three, four seconds left on the play clock and, and a lot of timeouts that Aaron Rodgers has had to burn because he, he doesn't want to take a delay game penalty. I think we only saw one of those um, on Sunday against Dallas, and that was fairly early on in the game, and then you didn't see any of that ever again. Um, it just seemed like the plays were getting in quicker, the, the flow was a little better, um, and, and that was the biggest, uh, the biggest difference to me. Um, aside from that, you saw a little bit more of, of the, the timing routes, the quick passing that, uh, that we're used to. Um, it, it, it all was really built off of the, the success that the Packers had running the football, though. And I think as much as you know, you'd like to, to give McCarthy some of the credit for, for the way he called the plays, um, I think there's some truth to what Aaron Rodgers said after the game that so much of it was about execution. The offensive line did a fantastic job run blocking, especially early on, really let them um, really let the offense get the run established. And then after that, they did a, a pretty solid job giving Rodgers time to throw. So, so I think that's, that's as big of, um, of a reason why we played so well on Sunday um, offensively. It's just the play of the offensive line as, as much as, as anything else. We're here with Tex Western. Follow him over on Twitter at Tex T E X Western, just like uh, just like the movies. And so uh, we're here on Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. And anyway, so with that running game, you talk about that offensive line. Talk about Eddie Lacy and the game that he had. You know, 24 carries, 124 yards, a touchdown. It seemed like he was, you know, teed off. But at least he didn't even teed off. Uh, and the fact that the Packers gained 435 yards. Total twenty, you know, twenty nine first downs to Dallas is eleven. Uh, James Starks get, got in on the act too with, uh, you know, a thirteen yard touchdown pass, a thirty yard run. But with Ed, with Lacey, what did you see out of him? After, especially with all the, the, the drama and everything with the, the benching or the limited playing snaps in Detroit you know, ten days earlier. Reports of Monte Ball getting a workout, a tryout. Uh, you know, what did you see out of Lacey that may have been different? Was it that purpose? Was that momentum? Or that 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 motivation, uh, or was there something else to it? Yeah, I think that was definitely something that that looked different to me. Is um, he just looked like a, a hungry running back? And I mean, he kind of has those those two games before he got benched as well. You know, getting, going over 100 yards in um, in the games against Minnesota and Chicago too. But um, yeah, he just looked like a little bit more of a, a determined back, and and he certainly got the early opportunities. Um, you know, McCarthy going to him on the first drive, I think that kind of gave him a little confidence. You know, ripping off some some runs of seven or eight yards on that that first series. Um, you know, that kind of that, that, that sets the tone for the offense, but it also sets the tone for you as a running back that you you feel like you're you're seeing the holes well, um, you're you're bouncing off some tacklers, and, and I think it really gave him some confidence. Something I thought that was interesting this week, though, was that there was a report came out that um, that McCarthy had talked to Nick Saban, obviously uh, Lacey's head coach at Alabama, and that Saban had told McCarthy that the best way to get get Lacey back on track was to bench him. And it just seemed like interesting timing. Um, not necessarily suggesting that that anything um, sinister was going on, that they were looking for an excuse to to bench him with, with the curfew issues, but it's just kind of an interesting. Uh, little report that it kind of syncs up with, with what happened. But, yeah, certainly, um, you know, look, looks like a more motivated guy. Looks like he's uh, um, got on track early, and that really kind of snowballed for him throughout the game. Tex, the Packers back in control of their own destiny as far as the division goes. If they want a first-round buy, they obviously have to win out, and that would include beating Arizona. But we're still just a couple games removed from a bad showing against the Bears a bad showing against Detroit except for the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter of that game, um, but a good game and a good win against Dallas. So, again, you know, after the 6-0 and start, they've been very Jekyll and Hyde. How close to that 6-0 and team are the Packers? Are, are they still, in your mind, a team that could compete for a Super Bowl? Are they a first-round-and-out playoff team? Where do you think they kind of fit into the landscape of the postseason? Well, I think it's really going to depend on if they can maintain the success that they've had on the ground the last couple of games, um, especially against Dallas, because I think you've got a receiving core that kind of, it, they are what you've seen over the last couple of months of the season. Um, they're not particularly fast. They're not going to get a lot of separation. And so you've got to rely on that ground game to really be effective early on and force the, the defense into playing a little bit of zone so then you can you can get some separation and, and find the weak spots in the zone and, and exploit those with the receivers. So 
it, it's it, you're certainly going to face tougher run defenses than Dallas's. Um, I'm a big fan of football outsider stats, and according to their DVOA stat, they were uh, Dallas's defense was only about 26th or so against the run this year. So it's not like they were um, they were an excellent run defense. Um, so I, I think that that might have been an area where McCarthy and, and Tom Clements decided that they could exploit and, um, and attack. Now, certainly you're not going to have as much success against a great defense like, like Arizona's. Um, some of the good defenses you're going to see down the stretch and in the playoffs. So it's it's going to come down to whether or not they can maintain that success in the run game. Um, I'm To be honest, I'm a little skeptical. I could see um, – I could definitely see this being a, potentially a one-and-done team just because of – the, the struggles that the, the passing game has had and the struggles of the receivers to get open. Certainly the defense has played well enough to uh, to be in the conversation over the last maybe you know four weeks or so. Um, they're certainly playing at a, um, at a at an elite caliber, I would say, um, just based on the yardage they've allowed and, and some timely turnovers. But, um, yeah, the, it's, it's weird to say that the offense is kind of holding this team back, but but it's it's tough to tell what you're going to get moving down the stretch. But um, yeah, against against some of the better defenses you'll see in the playoffs, I'm I'm still skeptical. I need to see them prove it to me that this running game can really carry the offense against a really good defense. And we're here with Tex Weston from Acme Packing Company. Of course, go to acmepackingcompany.com for all your Green Bay Packers uh, news notes and discussion. Uh, and I, I, I occasionally dabble with the writing here and there in between, uh, which I appreciate, Tex, because you're the managing editor, mm-hmm. uh, the head honcho over there. So I appreciate that, my friend. With the just with you talked about the defense a little bit. We've been kind of really focused on offense, but let's talk with this defense. And obviously, they held. The Cowboys, the seven, only seven points off that Robert Turbin touchdown. Matt Castle did not have a good day, 114 yards of the year, less than 50% completion percentage. Uh, but, you know, you so, but uh, what, what do you see on this defense? And obviously you mentioned it. They're, they're the ones that are kind of carrying It's kind of the weird thing. It's kind of like the inverse right now with, with the bad, you know, kind of the Badgers and the Packers both, their, their defenses are, are, are carrying, even though the Badgers defense has been good for the past, at least the past three years with uh, Dave Aranda there. But what have you seen with the, uh, just the defense on, on Sunday and, and how do you feel like maybe it's still kind of transcend going into the Oakland game on Sunday, 3.05 start central time? How do you think this defense is going to go against uh, a Raiders team that seems resurgent? Obviously, yeah, they're they're still growing and whatnot. But, uh, but what has this defense done? And you know, against the Cowboys, and, and what do you see them? How do you think they're going to stack up against the Raiders on Sunday? Well, I think you're seeing the secondary really become a strength of this team again. Um, Sam Shields has been playing excellent football all season long, um, and it's it's really a shame that that he got knocked out of that that game on Sunday. Uh, when he did with that concussion, um, you know, fingers are crossed that he'll be able to, to recover and be back out there on Sunday, but we'll see where that goes. But um, you're also seeing great development out of Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins, the, the top two picks in this year's draft. Um, those two guys, I think, are really going to be special um, in a couple of years. And I think that's they've already made enough progress that I think you can consider um, letting Casey Hayward walk in free agency this year if uh, if – yeah, he's asking a little more than you're comfortable with. So the, there's certainly, you know, very talented defensive backs. Um, uh, Clinton Dix has, has really improved the second half of this season. Um, I think you're starting to see just that back four be really a, a big strength of this team. Um, obviously, Clay Matthews is going to be who he is. He's, you know, he's a, a great pass rusher when you do put him on the outside, um, and, and he's really taken to that inside linebacker role well. And I think the change from Nate Palmer to Jake Ryan is going to benefit uh, the Packers in the long run especially as the playoffs go along. Um, Ryan just seems so much more instinctive and, and quicker to the football. Um, and, you know, Palmer was a, a, a move from a, an outside linebacker his first couple of years, and it just didn't seem like uh, he, he really had the, um, I don't know if it's the awareness and, and coverage or, or what it is, but he just never seemed to be around the football at the right time. And, and Ryan, he's always there. You always see him kind of clean up tackles. I, I hate to compare him to A.J. Hawk because it's, it's an easy comparison, um, but it, it's, it's one of those things where early, you know, early on and through the middle of his career and in the Super Bowl year, Hawk was always around the football. And so I think you've got a guy like, like that again in Ryan, um, who certainly is, is a much better athlete at this stage of his career than Hawk was towards the, towards the end. 
Excel. And then obviously the, the, the big one up front is, is Mike Daniels. Uh, getting him locked up to a, a nice long-term contract this week was a big sigh of relief for, for all of us. So um, and certainly he'll be manning the front uh, and, and terrorizing NFC North quarterbacks for years to come. But he's really been the anchor of that front seven all season long. Um, getting, getting great penetration um, on pass rushes and, and really setting the um, setting the edge in, in his position on, in the run game. Um, you, you always see him. And it's, it's, it's kind of funny just, just counting how many times you see 76 in the backfield um, over the course of the game. It's, it's, it's really fun to watch him play. You know, bigger picture, you talk about the division, and I mentioned Packers controlling your own destiny. Minnesota team that, you know, obviously started hot. There was part of me, I you know, Peterson's a great runner. Their defense is decent. But there was part of me that just couldn't believe the Vikings as a contender. They lost to the Packers. They got smoked by Seattle. They haven't beaten a team that, that really looks like a contender yet. Your thoughts on Vikings, and, and obviously there's no other team in the division that can make the playoffs, but your thoughts on the Vikings and their uh, playoff future? Yeah, Minnesota's the kind of team that this year I thought was going to be um, – they, they were going to make it interesting, at least in the NFC North, but I didn't think that they had the um, the talent base to, to, to win the division um, this year. I think next year is when they're really going to be dangerous. Um, but as far as the, the 2015 season goes, um, you know, I don't see them coming into Lambeau and winning a game, um, whether that's in Week 17 or in you know potential playoff rematch, um, I, I just find it find it very difficult to to imagine them um, you know, putting together the kind of performance that that they need from from all phases of the game, both you know running running and passing on offense. You know I like Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I think you know in, in a couple of years he's going to be a, a very good quarterback. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be the kind of guy that you know in the Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady area area but um, certainly a, a very good quarterback, and they need to get some more weapons around him to throw to. But, um, but I think that's still a year or two out. Um, the one thing that does kind of scare me with, with Minnesota is, is Mike Zimmer and his defense, because he's got a lot of really talented players on there. They've drafted very well these last couple of years. Um, you know, you've got anchors that you can build around in Harrison Smith and Anthony Barr and, uh, and Sheree Floyd. So there's, there's a lot of talent on that defense. Um, They've been hit hard by injuries these last couple of games since that Packers game, um, so so it'll be interesting to watch that uh, the injury report for them coming down the stretch. So I think if if they're missing any of those those key players, they're really going to be in trouble. But um, moving on from from this year, I think next year it's really going to be a dogfight between these two teams in the NFC North. We're with Tex Western from Acme Packing Company. Of course, like I said before, follow him on Twitter at Tex Western. And, you know, with uh, – obviously you're uh, – people know that you're a UW alum, and as, as am I. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun, a little bit of fun here, and I don't know if Scotty will roll his eyes at this, but Jared Aberderis, where, where are you seeing this? Uh, obviously he's getting more snaps, and, uh, you know, and, I've, and it's always good to see – uh, although I think I don't know if this thing it was you and I talked about it offline, where they they talked about how the uh, if, if Scott Tolzien and Monte Ball if he was signed and then Jared Abadares were on the field at the same time, I think the state of Wisconsin <laughs> would probably explode. But uh, how have you seen the maturation of him? And obviously he's still dealing with the injury bug when he had the ribs uh, after the, uh, the the first game against the Lions. But uh, what are you seeing out of him? Uh, and, and what do you see out of his progress after coming off that ACL tear and then uh, being signed from the practice squad? Yeah, he's he's a real interesting guy because he does seem like the one receiver that the Packers have who can get some sort of separation on a regular basis. Um, you, you get you get him and, and Jeff Janis are always going to be compared to each other because they came in the same draft class. Um, they're kind of stuck in that same fourth, fifth receiver uh, role and and it's it's interesting to see how the snaps break down between those two because especially in the last few weeks, um, Abby's been getting a lot more snaps than Janice has on offense. And I think a direct result of that is the the fact that Aberderis's route running skills were so polished coming out of college. Um, that was really the you know the the one of the biggest strengths that uh, that he had going through that draft process uh, and the evaluation. So I think that's the reason he's um, he's seeing more snaps. And I think. It's going to be tough 
to crack that top three just because uh, the, the top three receivers, just because Mike McCarthy and company, they love to use that same trio of receivers with Cobb, Jones, and Adams. Um, they they, they kind of stick to it almost stubbornly at times. And I, I think it's it's reasonable at this point to you know, for Packers fans to, to want to see more of Aberderis and, and even Janice as well. Um, I, I think he's certainly got uh, a role on this team um, moving forward, long-term at least. Um, it'll be interesting to see when Ty Montgomery gets back healthy too because he's certainly going to um, cut into the, the snaps that Aberderis has been playing lately. But, you know, as a fifth guy, he'll need to contribute a little bit more on special teams than he has. And, you know, I, I wonder if some of the injuries that he had in training camp and then obviously like the ACL last year, like you mentioned, um, I wonder if that has uh, kind of taken away some of the opportunity that he's had to uh, uh, to contribute on special teams. But moving forward, yeah, I think he's a he's a definitely can contribute out of the slot. Um, you probably won't see him, you know, split wide all that often, but, you know, he's going to be a, a solid fourth option or so, and, you know, he'll, he'll get his – 15 to 20 snaps a game, and I think he can, uh, you know, he can carve out a nice niche for himself with, with that role. Well, Tex, I think injuries, I think that's the key for Aberderis. I'd love to see him succeed. I'd love to see him stay healthy first. I'm going to ask yep. you a question about a team that doesn't have a badger on it. At least I don't think it does. Jake, you can correct me, of course, if I'm wrong. But handicap this for me. Carolina, 16-0, and 0, or are they going Brad to North somewhere them. along the way? Brad Norman. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Um, do punters count? Are they anyway? Um, oh, can they do it? They there's their people can, too. Can Sorry, <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, everybody talks about you know the undefeated season, and only two teams have done it in a regular season. You look at their schedule. Other than the Giants, who are really playing for something, it's pretty soft after that. And I know they're going to get into the whole discussions. Do you rest people? Do you try to keep people healthy, or do you care about the streak? But I, I think. No matter what they say, part of them, they do care about the streak. I mean, it's historic if you can, you know, run the table and go undefeated. But do you see them as a team that can do it? And who would have thought at the beginning of the season when we were even talking about Carolina, they weren't even a team that I thought could win that division, and here they could go 16-0. and It's fascinating to watch that team succeed on offense with, with the receiving core that they have. I mean, when your your top receivers are – Ted Ginn and Jericho Cotchery, there's there's no reason why you should you know be sitting at at 13 and 0, let alone you know have have you know seven or eight wins it seems. But um, you know certainly you know Greg Olson's an interesting weapon for them. But you know they're Cam Newton is just playing out of his mind right now, and I think that's the biggest thing is is he is playing at a level that we certainly haven't seen from him um, since he got to the NFL. I think it, it really boils down to the schedule, and I, I agree with you. I think their best chance to lose is this coming Sunday against the Giants. Um, I, I actually had them picked to lose in New Orleans. I had a, I just had a gut feeling that something weird was going to happen in that game, and, and I almost got that one. Um, yeah, that was, what, the 41-38 or something like that in that game that uh, that they had to fight off a, a, a kind of plucky Saints team. But – yeah, it, at this point, just based on that schedule and the way Newton's playing, it would not surprise me if they do go 16-0. and um, I'm still not necessarily sold that they're going to run the table and, and end up winning the Super Bowl. Um, I just I think sooner or later that lack of receiving options is going to have to bite them. But, again, if they, if they keep that running game going between Newton and, and Jonathan Stewart, you know, maybe, maybe they don't need to – a, a really super talented receiving core to, to continue winning games. But it's, it's, it's definitely not the type of, of team that you would draw it up that, that would potentially be looking at an undefeated season. Um, but again, I think it all, it all comes down to Newton and just how well he's playing. Well, and I'll tell you what, I mean, they lose Calvin Benjamin, who is a dynamic young receiver. And, and you're right. They've been able to piece it together. And other than maybe Newton, um, I mean, he's probably playing at a Pro Bowl level, but this is a team of just really good players. I mean, there's not a ton of guys that stand out, but they've managed to get the job done. A couple of really good players on defense, but, man, they've bought into the system. And But I agree. I, I, somewhere maybe Arizona gets them in the NFC Championship game or Seattle, mm-hmm. who's, who's red hot. But I, I can't see them winning the Super Bowl. I'm just not bought in yet. But we'll see. We'll see. 
Yeah, and I think the other thing that, that has really been big for them is Josh Norman's emergence. Um, I remember we the Packers played them midway through last year, and you know, he was he was kind of just an okay corner at that point, but you know he's really blossomed into you know arguably the best corner in the game right now, and and he's just kind of come out of nowhere to do that. And he's you know great for him. He's doing it in the contract here too, which you know would, so he'll he'll cash in big time this off season. But um, yeah, I think his emergence and obviously the the continued uh, you know all pro level play of Luke Keekley. That's, that's a, you know, those are the two key keys to that defense. And, uh, you know, Tex real quick, looking over at the AFC side, you know, new, um, just what are you seeing out of the teams down there? Who, who are you picking as your favorite coming out of that conference so far right now? We're obviously we're as Mike McCarthy would call it the last quarter, quarter of the year, but who do you see really standing out? And obviously uh, you always can't, you can't call out or you can't, not talk about New England, obviously, um, but uh, who else are you seeing out of out of the AFC, and and, and how big is that injury to, to Andy Dalton and, and for the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah, that's going to be huge. Um, I, I I kind of as as much as I I doubt Andy Dalton as as far as his success in the playoffs go, um, I I really thought that Cincinnati was going to be the team that had the best chance to knock them off up until you know the last couple of weeks, and and certainly to Dalton's injury. Um, I don't really see Denver pulling it off, even though, you know, they've got that great defense. Um, I just have a, a hard time seeing Brock Osweiler uh, beating New England in New England if they have to go there this year. Um, the one team that I think really can make a run if they are able to sneak into the playoffs is Pittsburgh because that offense that they have with uh, with Antonio Brown, who's as good as anybody at this point, uh, Roethlisberger looks like he's, he's continuing to get healthy. And the fact that they've been able to, to plug in D'Angelo Williams for Le'Veon Bell and really not miss a beat, um, they're very dangerous to me. Um, the, the concern with them is obviously their defense is uh, that that secondary is, is pretty rough. And so I don't know if they can necessarily um, – you know, pull off a Super Bowl run with a secondary like that. But um, I, I definitely think they could, could surprise a couple of people and, and, you know, maybe pull an upset of, you know, potentially in New England if they end up meeting them in the divisional round. Great to hear. And, uh, yeah, as I say with that, uh, uh, before I let you go, I know I said, I know I told you it's maybe 20 minutes for this. And obviously, we've gone now 27, which is normally the case you should have seen how much how long we kept Wes Hodkowitz here a couple weeks ago I think it was literally about like literally about 45 to 15 minutes we actually did a segment did another segment did one segment with him did another segment with someone else then called him back and talked wrestling the rest of the night so um and it it was like obviously we got 8,000 hits off of it so obviously we're doing something right there uh but uh but no after that uh real quick uh Badgers thoughts on uh Corey Clement coming back for his senior season, according to reports, according to what jo- running back John Settle told a variety of reporters earlier today, uh, and uh, do you think it's a good idea? Yeah, I think ultimately for his pro prospects, it's going to be the best move. Um, you know, with the season, with uh, you know, with the groin injury and everything that he had, and, and not really being able to um, to put together a full a full season um, as a feature back, I think that's what that's the kind of thing that, that NFL teams are going to be looking at with him. You know, he's got he's certainly got all the physical tools, but um, so much of of that evaluation process is done on tape and and what you've shown, and and he's certainly got some some good games on there, but um, you know from last year. But I think the, the NFL is going to want to see it consistently over the course of the season. I think it's a you know, ultimately going to be the best move for for him moving forward as he uh, looks forward to an NFL career. Yeah, you know what? Real quick, I, I agree, Tex. I mean, I thought you're right to be a pro. You got to have a come off of a healthy season, and he had some off the field things that I think another year of uh, of playing at Wisconsin and, and being a good citizen could take away some of those questions if there were any. I, I, when I heard that today, I'm like, that really isn't a surprise. I mean, there are a couple of people I work with that were kind of shocked by it. I'm like, I don't understand why he'd do anything else but come back. So good for the Badgers. I mean, it helps keep some depth at the running back position. Definitely, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do behind an offensive line that, that like you mentioned earlier, Jake, really looks like it's come together um, in that Minnesota game. Um, excited to see how, how they play in the bowl game against USC and, and certainly – um, looking forward to the opener next season against LSU at Lambeau. That should be a that should be a blast. I'm I'm really excited for that one. 
Yeah, uh, the one thing I'm intrigued by that matchup is just seeing if I mean I, I don't I mean I know a lot of people talk about the beginning of the season about how Corey Clement may not come back and so the you know the offense may start you know be maybe a little hampered next year but uh, I mean Vince Beagle next year I mean if he if he goes which I mean you take a look at Matt Miller from the uh, from uh, Bleacher Report has him I think in the top forty of his prospects uh, according to something from last week. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, I mean, if he would stay, and obviously they lose Joe Schobert, who's uh, first or second team All-American, depending upon which publication that you that you follow or, or you subscribe to. But, uh, you know, him and possibly like a T.J. Watt, uh, maybe even a Leon Jacobs who might head out to outside from the inside backer with Chris Ornow uh, manning the inside. I mean, it, 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 outside linebackers, I mean, if they keep Beagle, I mean, you're looking at a – and with a good defensive line against LSU, it, it could be a real, it could be a lot better, I think, matchup than much, what people would think uh, initially going into the season. Yeah, I definitely agree. And the, the big question, obviously, is going to be at the quarterback position. I'd be real curious to see how that shakes out in, in spring ball and in fall camp next year. But um, but yeah, the the defense, like you said, if Eagle does come back, that's going to be a really fun unit to watch. And you know we've been spoiled it seems over the last several years with our linebackers, which you know going back to to Chris Borland and and obviously Schobert. So uh, it's it's certainly fun to watch those guys um, work their way up from you know sometimes what to to maybe maybe three star recruits, but you know and then you get these walk ons and and you know seeing them work their way up to the first team All Americans. It's it's a lot of fun to watch the development of these guys. But, uh, on that note, Tex, we're going to let you go. I know I get things to do, my friend. Appreciate you jumping on. Hey, before you go, anything going on? Anything you want to plug for AcmePackingCompany.com? Maybe some T-shirts at all. I saw I uh, guys got some stuff going on there. Uh, what do you got going over at Acme, AcmePackingCompany.com? Yeah, we've come up with a couple of uh, T-shirt designs this year, and what we're doing is um, we're donating all the proceeds that we're getting from the T-shirts to the Max Fund. So um, check them out. we got a couple of good ones out there. We've got one... Uh, inspired by Jeff Janis. Um, we, we've kind of had a lot of fun referring to the, him as the hype train this year um, with all the excitement <laughs> that's been building around him. But um, we might have to come up with something new for him after his uh, ridiculous performance last week on special teams. But uh, there's, that, one's a, that one's a lot of fun. And then we got a new one that we just came out with last week kind of celebrating the, uh, the Hail Mary victory. So again, all of our uh, we're, all of our proceeds are are going to the Mac from from the, the sales of those T-shirts. So um, get a get a get a nice little Christmas gift in there and uh, help out a good cause along the way. Awesome, man. Well, great talking to you, my friend. We'll have to do this again soon. Uh, hopefully, in a roundtable format, we'll we'll we'll, we'll break this down going forward. And uh, if you don't get a chance to talk to you beforehand, my friend, happy holidays and hope all is well. We'll hope to talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Always a pleasure. And go Pack Go! Guys, that's Evan Tex Western from Acme Packing Company. We're going to take one quick break, come back. We'll talk a little bit more Badgers, talk some hoops right now from what Twitter is saying. It is the ugliest game known to man uh, against uh, the Islanders of Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So we're going to talk that a little bit more, talk some Badgers football, break down some bucks, talk with the 24-1. and We'll go from there, guys. This is the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's fifth quarter.
Welcome back, guys. Bucky's Fifth Quarter presents the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. And thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks to Tex Western for joining us. Like I said, follow him on Twitter, at Tex Western. And he tons of good stuff there. And like I said, if you guys want a good present, like I said, they're doing every, all the proceeds go to the MAC Fund. And that's a, a great setup that they have there. And uh, from there, and also, by the way, just letting you guys know, too, they're, they're plugging their shirts. Plug our shirts. Uh, uh, we have a call on the Make It a Dozen T-shirts. Go to gamedaydepot.com, G-A-M-E-D-A-Y-D-E-P-O-T.com. Go there, check it out. Uh, we designed a shirt, obviously celebrating the Wisconsin Badgers, 12 straight victories over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. That was evident at the end of uh, last month. Uh, made it a dozen. Make sure you guys check it out. Uh, we've had about 40 to 50 of you guys already uh, join in, and we appreciate it. And uh, we'll have some fun with it. So, obviously, give it to your favorite Badger fan. Or if you want to, I don't know, just tick off a Gophers in-law uh, that's a big Minnesota fan, go for it. Uh, it'll be fun. So, uh, make sure you guys go to gamedaydepot.com for both your Acme Packing Company t-shirt and your Bucky's Fifth Quarter Make It a Dozen t-shirt. Uh, on that note, right now you're looking at the uh, – <laughs> just, just checked about five seconds ago, Jonathan Veltis, our friend from BadgerBitsBlitz.com. You know, you're shooting 25% of the full floor, five of 20 from the field, four of nine from the charity stripe. Uh, they are still still winning. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Badgers got – you know, it, it tough week last week We it was with Minnesota. I mean, obviously we had – Phil Mitten from Bucky's fifth quarter on talking about uh, it, it seemed optimistic. They they come off a loss to, you know, Oklahoma. They go to Syracuse, beat Syracuse. They go beat Temple. Things are riding high. And the next thing you know, they lose uh, against UW-Milwaukee, a stunner there uh, by a point. Uh, when, when maybe Bronson Koenig should have driven to the hoop rather than Take a jump shot. And the Badgers had the opportunity to win by free throws. But you also had Marquette comes in, and obviously the, the bigs and, 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 and what could be a lottery pick for Henry Ellenson. And then Luke Fisher coming down low, the big guys down low. Uh, and, and Nigel A's. It seemed like he did too much. Uh, trying to do too much in that last minute in that 57-55 loss. Uh, where do you begin with this Badgers team? Obviously, with only having two, you know, two established veterans in, in Bronson Koenig and Nigel Hayes, but uh, yearning for some, uh, and you have Vito Brown too, but just yearning for some more depth, maybe, maybe just better shot selection, a shooter. Uh, where, where do you see this? Well, uh, it's a shot. I, I mean, their shooting's awful. I mean, it's awful. You know, you can blame it on you with all you want. But, um, you know, maybe it's shot selection. Maybe it's just some poor shooters. But that's one of those things. That was, If you remember Marquette, when they struggled uh, the last year with Buzz, even a little bit last year, but they, they shot the ball poorly. And a team that had high hopes, again, that Marquette team the last year of Buzz Williams had – higher hopes than this year's Badger team, but still, poor shooting will derail your season. And uh, it's really derailing the Badgers. And who would have thunk it? Like, I I would never have thought, first of all, I thought Wisconsin was going to beat both Milwaukee and Marquette. I really did. I mean, I like Marquette. I like the way things are going with that program, but I I still thought the Badgers were going to beat them. They they, they run the risk, and I'm sure it's never happened I'd have to look it up, but I'm almost sure they have never been swept by all three in-state D1 teams. So, um, but yeah, it was uh, it's just definitely disappointing. And, and again, I'm a I'm a Milwaukee alum. You think I'd be thrilled that that the Panthers beat Wisconsin, but I'm not because it doesn't really mean anything. I like the Panthers, but it's really going to come down to the Panthers winning their conference if they're going to get into the to the big dance anyway. The conference games are what matters. The Badgers losing to Milwaukee, obviously, as we get down, we'll see how the season plays out, but it could hurt, obviously, their chances of getting into the, the field of, what is it now, 68, 60, whatever. But it's a loss that hurts them more than it helps Milwaukee because, again, only one team from the horizon is getting in, so it's still about winning your conference, but that one really hurts the Badgers, I think. And um, today, I mean, they're, they're – they're up, but they're they're playing terribly, and 
you just they got to get out of this. The, the conference season starts in a week, week and a half, and it's a meat grinder. I mean, it, it's always been a tough conference the last five, six, seven years, but this year, to me, it seems deeper than ever. And maybe it feels deeper because the Badgers aren't a team that's poised to finish in the top three like they have been perennially. Now they're a middle of the pack, you know, lower third team maybe, and now it makes the schedule look even that more daunting. But there's not a, there's not a lot of night offs in this conference. And uh, the way the Badgers have shot the ball at times, you know, I mean, they run the risk of, you know, maybe winning six games, five, six games in conference and obviously having no postseason. Now, I, I again, I also still think if they put it together, they could finish 500 in conference and, and get a shot at the tournament you know, obviously not have a Final Four kind of team, but at least get in, and that's always good for the program. But it was disheartening last week. It was, it was, it's been a rough ten days watching Badger basketball. It has been, and it's like you said. We'll have, uh, we'll have Kurt, who's covering the game right now for Bucky's fifth quarter, on one of these days, along with Phil. We can do a little roundtable. But uh, we'll, we'll see what goes on, and we'll see how this team progresses. It's, it's one of those things that, yeah, I mean, you know. <sighs> To be honest with you, you know, I I had tempered expectations going into this, um, and you know, it's one of those things that I feel that with with this team and and how they, um, when you lose Kaminsky and Decker to first round draft picks, and you know, Decker has a chance to come back for his senior year, but chose to forego to head into the NBA to start his professional career. But you know, there wasn't a lot of depth behind them, anyways. Uh, outside, you know, you, you lose your five seniors, and then. You had Hayes, and then you have uh, as well as uh, Hayes and, and Koenig. But uh, a lot of a lot of unproven. Zito Brown was always one guy that you know he stepped up too. I think right now they said he's currently. I think Ben Morgel for our buddy from BadgerNation.com had said he had seven points and seven rebounds so far in the first half. Uh, so he's he kind of turned down. He's got a nice mid-range jumper, but it, it's one thing where they have to continue to continue to grow. And um, you know, it's going to be I've. Yeah, I didn't have that high expectations because you have to preach patience in this time. And this could be very well be the year that the Badgers, for the first time in the Bo Ryan era, will not finish fourth or better. Uh, you know, and especially with the teams that you're looking at with uh, Michigan State, uh, you have Purdue, uh, Maryland. Maryland looks really solid outside of that, you know, that loss to North Carolina. But uh, it, it's going to be a challenge for this team. And it's, it's going to be, you know, I think they're going to be a lot better at the end of the year, like most Bull Ryan teams are, they're, they'll get the hang of it. You're seeing Ethan Happ starting to develop, but uh, a little bit better uh, along with a couple others, but it's going to take some time. Uh, and and it's, it's going to help the recruit, and they have an extra scholarship opportunity now Now that uh, Riley Deering, uh, the sophomore, redshirt sophomore guard from Minnetonka, when in Minnesota, will, he's exploring options to transfer, uh, but he didn't break into that rotation, uh, and and so we'll see what happens. And it's gonna have to be those those youngsters like Charlie Thomas and Alex Ilkanen and uh, Khalil Iverson, and, and along with Hap, who's in his second year now. It's, I mean, they're all gonna have to step up. I'm, I'm excited. They'll be better by the year by year's end, and next year they should be even better. But uh, it's gonna be a tough 2015 to 2016 season. Listen, I know you. I know what you're saying about not having high expectations, but I'll tell you what. I don't care. To me, people will always point to stats like, oh, well, he's averaging X amount of points per game, so he must be having a great season. Talk about Nigel Hayes averaging 16, a little bit over 16, I think he's averaging, because he's shooting like 36%. Now, I guess I I expected Nigel Hayes to be a little bit better than he's been. I think I expected Showalter to shoot a little bit better when he's had the chance especially from beyond the arc. And, and that's why I thought maybe my expectations were a little higher. Did I think they were going to be a top three team in the conference? No, I didn't. But I thought they could win, you know, 18, 19 games, you know, get into the postseason, maybe lose in the first or second round. But I guess I've just been disappointed because I don't think that Hayes, now getting the chance to be the lead dog, has necessarily stepped up his game. Now, did I expect him to be Kaminsky? Obviously not. They're not the same player. Did I expect him to be Decker? No, but I just expected him to take on that role as the lead dog on this team and maybe shoot a little bit. But I think if he were shooting 42 43%, even if they were losing, maybe I wouldn't have such, such apprehension about him and the way he's played early on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, the thing with, with, with Hayes is just that 
I, I, I feel like him and Kenny are maybe doing too much, and with this Bo Ryan system, it has. I mean, obviously these young kids have to step up, but it's it's one of those things where he can't. I mean, he's not yet that. Yeah, it took Kaminsky a couple of years to step in, and, and you know, and then his junior year really pop out, and it's you're still with Hayes. He still needs to develop a little bit more, and I know he altered his jump shot. It seems like a little bit, but uh, you know, it's one of the things with the Bull Ryan offense. You have to not not do more than you than you should, and that's what you know. You saw that when he tried throwing up that three pointer in, in that last minute against Marquette, and just. Things seem off. Uh, we'll see how what happens, and you know, but it's yeah, it's not been pretty. It's not been a good week. Uh, not been a good week, and right now, I'm just taking a look right now. I mean, you're looking at uh, oh, like uh, they're, they're starting to you know go a little bit. It's 24 to 17 right now. 3:55 left in in the first half. So uh, we'll see how the uh, we'll see how they come out, and and obviously the you know they'll start gearing up for the Big Ten season, which starts at the end of this month. It's it's crazy, isn't it, Scotty? It's already the end of the year. It's two thousand, you know, end of two thousand fifteen. Uh, you're already talking about if we talk bowl season next week. Next week or the week after, we'll we'll be doing some holiday bowl prep. Uh, we'll we'll talk among other things, just a, a plethora of other things. But yeah, this you know, play NFL playoffs are starting to start taking shape. Um, any uh, and you know now you have Big Ten conference play and Big East conference play and uh, and whatnot as well. It's 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 pretty intense, man. Like I don't know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just Maybe I'm just a little. It's just crazy how time's flown by this this. Uh, I'd say this, you know, uh, this year. No, yeah, it it has. I mean, obviously, well, for you especially, but I mean, I've learned this a long time ago. Like when you have kids, no matter what age you are, time starts to really fly by. So it certainly is that time of the year. Um, and you know, you talk about you know basketball being upon us. Marquette, by the way. Has been playing good, good basketball. Luke Fisher, Henry Allen, Allerson, um, eight and two. They won some big games down the stretch. Again, their their preseason schedules not their pre-conference schedules never never been as tough as Wisconsin's, and I've always been critical of them for that. But they're beating the teams that are on their schedule. They were able to beat uh, LSU, beat Arizona State. Um, you know, even though they had a terrible loss to Iowa. I think the one that sticks in my craw is the loss to Belmont to open the season. But let's talk about the Bucks for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's a team that, I, to me, they've underachieved so far. However, they do have a marquee victory uh, at, at the quarter post of the year as they beat Golden State, giving them their first loss of the season. And there have been times in that game – in the Portland game, where the Bucks have shown that excitement that, that made everybody hyped at the end of last year. But there have just been too many games where they've just kind of fallen flat on their face. The defense early on was a letdown. They were giving up you know, 120, 115, 113 points. The defense has stabilized a little bit, but they just haven't seemed to found the right rotation yet, found the chemistry that they need. Michael Carter-Williams coming off the bench. Um Mayo starting at point guard. I, I think they just need to find them. I think they could still make the playoffs, but it's just it's been a rough early start for them. I think overall as they try to find themselves. I agree. I think it's one. I mean, obviously the victory was very nice uh, with against you know against the fact that you beat you know an undefeated Golden State team. Um, I mean. You know, it's just one game. Obviously, the atmosphere at the at the Bradley Center at the BC was really was jumping, and it was it was a from what it looked like. I didn't get a chance to actually watch the game, but it seems like it was pretty intense. I mean, obviously, pretty intense. But I I don't know. I I you know, this team obviously it's been there are a lot of talks in the beginning of the season. You have Greg Monroe come here. You have obviously with Jabari Parker coming back, and and Giannis still developing into. Uh, I think he could be a premier player, uh, but. Will he, you know, it? I think they'll continue to grow this year, but, you know, a lot of people are talking about, like, you know, 45, 50 wins. Uh, you know, it's, it's last year they, they gelled really well together um, before the MCW trade with, with Brennan Knight, and, you know, they surprised people that way. But I don't know, Scott, I, you know, it, it, time will tell, but obviously it's still rebuilding for the for the Bucks. They still have, I mean, they're still young, and, and, and they're trying to, you know, you see Jason Kidd still trying to mold MCW. Uh, a bit, and you're also trying to, you know, uh, develop. I mean, Jabari Parker still might not be 100% with that knee. Who knows? It's 
Well, I'm uh, sure he's not. I, I'm sure he's yeah. not. And and I know that the molding of MCW, I think that's going to be harder. <clears throat> Look, I wasn't a fan of the trade when it happened. And not, whether or not they could have signed Brandon Knight or, or if he was worth the money he wanted, besides the point, my whole criticism on the MCW trade is here's a guy who, you know, was two years removed from being drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers, why did they give up on him so fast? And they say, well, it was his attitude, and he had a hard time because that team was losing. Okay, so does that mean he's going to have a hard time when his new team starts losing? So to me, I think it's going to be harder to mold him than you think. I do like the fact that they're exploring trade options to bring in a defensive big man. I know uh, uh, Knowles uh, was one of the guys they were talking about. Um, maybe making a trade for it. I know they want to get back to the basics, but I think it's going to be a harder hill to climb trying to get MCW to do what Jason Kidd wants. Yeah, I, I guess uh, we'll we'll see what comes of it. Um, uh, obviously you're a little bit more uh, in tuned with the with the with the Bucks talk too, since uh, um, you're you're more in that market. But you know, we'll see. I'll, I'll be patient, but yeah. It, like the the expectations for this team, um, you know, maybe it was a little bit too much for for at least right now. Um, on that note, anything else from from the NBA? Anything else from uh, sports wise, wrestling wise? By the way, I, I know I texted you this yesterday, but uh, WWE NXT comes to Milwaukee and Green Bay the weekend of January 14th through the 16th. Uh, pretty excited, buddy. Uh, I'll be to, to, hopefully. I mean, tickets go on sale. At was it 9 a.m. on Friday, and so yeah. uh, I, I think you and I need to check out a show. Yeah, if 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 we do, it's got to be Milwaukee because the 15th when they're in Green Bay, I'll be part of Brew City Wrestling, and they're bringing in the Bullet Club, Honky Tonk Man, and Matt Hardy. So, um, I'm already booked for that show to begin with, but. Interesting competition. So the night before that show here in 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 Milwaukee will be NXT on the 14th, and then I'll be at BCW on the 15th. So I'm going to try to get out there for the 14th to see NXT and make that just a complete wrestling weekend for me. It, it's intense. I mean, I'm really excited. I already told Laura that I'm trying to go, uh, and uh, I, I mean, it's going to be a, it should be a fun weekend to see how that. Uh, so to watch what uh, is arguably maybe one of the better products out there out there for us. And obviously, for those that like New Japan, if you have a, uh, AXS uh, TV, uh, like I do on DirecTV, you can watch some uh, some New Japan. Uh, but you have Ring of Honor, which obviously our good buddy, uh, uh, you know, the Beer City Bruiser. You also have uh, the last real man, Silas Young, in Ring of Honor. Uh, some some great wrestling right now. Uh, but you also have NXT, which uh, it you know it, the fact that obviously they've they've started to take their brand both nationally and internationally. Uh, it's it, you know it's I'd say you know and and they're going to be at Turner Hall in Milwaukee, which is good. I you know obviously Ring of Honor runs there, and like I said, man, it's a good I mean, venue. It, it, it's, a good, it's venue. a good venue. Yeah, it's smaller. I know. I think it's about about a thousand. Uh, if it's maybe about eight hundred or a thousand, uh, yeah, if you yeah. really squeeze in. But it should be an electric crowd. It should be absolutely uh, electric. Well, I, and you know what? I think people need to go out and support NXT and just stick it to Vince and show him that there's there's other options out there. And and you know we'll show. Oh wait, never never mind. He gets paid either way. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. Uh, I mean, it is a different beast. I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, we all know the tone of NXT is a little different from. What you see? Well, you see, I, maybe I'm a little bit. I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm as I've gotten older, I've gotten. More, I I don't hate the WWE product like most people do. Like first of all, I thought the uh, the 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 Monday the the moment on Monday was really well done, and I I was amazed how quickly they were able to get. I mean, there's still a few, but a lot of the Philly fans completely behind Roman Reigns winning the title on Monday, even though they booed him out of the building just you know, 11 months ago. So um, I thought that was done very well. And it was nice to see something like that happen. It was like a, a special moment that you haven't really gotten to see much on Raw lately. So um, so I don't hate the product like a lot of people do. I do think three hours is too long and they end up having to waste too much time because they have three hours to fill. And 
you know, but whatever. I I enjoy it all, and and I enjoy it for what it is. I mean, I know if I watch an NXT show or a Ring of Honor show, I'm watching it strictly and only for the wrestling. If I watch Monday Night Raw, I'm looking for some good wrestling, but I'm also looking for more of the entertainment. So you just got to have the right expectations. I think too many people who complain about the different products, their expectations aren't in tune with what they're actually tuning in to watch. And people just need to get over the fact that Monday Night Raw will always be mostly television show. That's, I mean, that's what, that's what their USA wants. That's what they want. But they built a brand. They built their own competition. They built their own alternative in NXT. Smart business move. Love them, hate them, whatever it is. That's the reason why he's made all that money in the pro wrestling business. I'm talking about the McMahon family. Yeah, I mean, in the, last night I watched parts of that too. It was a good. It was, I would say, it was impressive to see uh, how they so how they got behind him. Uh, and uh, you know, there's reports about how he acknowledged the crowd afterwards, saying the just how that he was booed just a you know a little earlier in the year, and then he came back and. You know, but they were cheering him, and you gotta give credit to obviously Stephanie McMahon with with the slaps and uh, Vince McMahon. I mean, obviously you go up the ladder and he took out Vince and Stephanie slapped him, and then Vince, you know, obviously the kick to the to the grapefruits and you know, but then you know, obviously not many. I mean, Sheamus is a decent heel, but you know, they worked their butts off uh, at TLC, but uh, it was good to see. I mean, it's good to see that they they got behind it. We'll see what happens coming up, uh, heading heading uh, down the. Uh, the road to WrestleMania and obviously the Royal Rumble and, and, and who Reigns will face and, and how they go that route. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see too. And and uh, I think the other thing, and we talked about it many, many times, so I don't want to get into the whole discussion. What, one of the things that's hurt Raw, you know, over the, the years is ever since WCW went away, um, when they bought their own competition and then they really messed up the invasion angle and, and, um, you know, really botched the chance to make a lot of money. But now there's, there's very few of those moments, the, the holy cow moments where out of the blue, here comes somebody that you didn't expect to see, you know, that's the problem. Like you don't get that anymore because there's like, would it really matter to you, unless it was maybe someone like Kurt Angle or maybe somebody like Jeff Hardy, would you really care if anybody from TNA showed up on Monday Night Raw? Would you care? Right. I mean, right, so because they don't have that legitimate competition where they could take somebody off that roster and plug them in on Monday Night Raw and you go, oh, my God, what a shock. They, that, 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 that shock factor is gone. So I think that has kind of dulled down a lot of the excitement about the show because there's never any of those moments anymore where you just go, wow, I didn't see that coming. So, you know, because they don't have that, I think you're you're never going to have that excitement that you had in the late 90s and early 2000s because there's just no other federation where you would have that excitement over except for their own brand, which is NXT. Now the big moments are when an NXT guy shows up, but you already know who he is because you know that he's in NXT and he's feeding up to the main roster anyway. So even that's not as huge of a surprise as anticipation, but there's no shock when an NXT guy shows up. So I don't know. I, I think that's why the landscape has changed. And, and I think a lot of people, they, they pine for, you know, the Austin era and the attitude era, but the attitude era was driven by competition, which competition's gone. And without it, you'll never have, a repeat of of that time in wrestling. I agree. I mean, competition will drive it. It's you know, it, it that that was a special circumstance where you had two companies that had equal venture in terms of money. Well, Turner, I mean, Bischoff, from what it sounds like, just spent all the money Turner could could possibly give them. But you have competition going back and forth, and it really drove a better product, and that's what. Uh, you know, that's what people want. That's what people turned out to see. What would happen next? And and uh, we got about less than about 25 seconds left, by the way, on, on the live feed. Thanks for listening to us, folks. But it's, yeah, I agree. There's some form of competition. Maybe that comes where ROH is starting to build itself up a little bit more, uh, which is owned by Sinclair Broadcasting. And maybe it's, maybe it's New Japan and maybe, all you know, all the partnerships there. But, 
yeah, there's no real major competition for at least in the U.S. that has the capita and and whatnot. And, and you know, that's what it's a smart thing from what Vince McMahon did. But but the thing is, will that? I mean, obviously, does it hurt pro wrestling? Uh, it's another story, and uh, we'll see what comes of that down the road. But you know, it'll be fun in NXT. Uh, hopefully, we can get some tickets. Uh, I know I'll be scooped out at my laptop. Uh, at 9 a.m. on Friday to see what happens. And uh, on that note, that's what we have to do. Try to get some guests. Oh, no, I'm already asking for Bailey, uh, the NXT women's champion. Like, uh, uh-huh. her and we'll, we'll have some people on. Uh, we're, we're, you know, it's already, I'm already planning on sending out some emails and getting some articles written and, and whatnot. So we'll, we'll have a good time. Uh, to say Let me least, tell you uh, this. I don't know. I don't know if they'll be ready to work yet. Um, there's two guys that are not yet on NXT TV, the two twins uh, that were trained by Angel Armani here locally. They're both about 6'9", six, 6'10", six, identical twins. Looking forward to when they finally make they, their debut. But uh, it's probably a little bit of ways away yet. They're, they're just recently signed a couple months in now. So we'll, we'll see. Exactly. A good homecoming for them and, uh, on that note, just wrapping up the show real quick. Just I know we mentioned it a little briefly before, but Joe Schobert named uh, at the Football Writers Association of America first team All American uh, yesterday. Uh, congrats! I'm surprised to, you weren't all over the Monty Ball story about him being signed. That was another thing I was going to bring up. I mean, obviously we're running out of time. Uh, he signed to the practice per reports. Looks like Adam Schefter reported it. Uh, there was another local reporter that also um, reported Monte Ball being uh, named, uh, you know, being signed to the practice squad. Uh, you know, well, that, nice, that, nice. go ahead. No, that was confirmed too on NFL.com. But you know what? I mean, LeGarrette Blunt's out for the year, so they needed another back. And, you know, he's there with James White. James White obviously will be the lead dog now with Blount being out. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Monte Ball added to the active roster maybe by – playoff time just because I, I think Bolden's the number two and I don't think they have a number three unless they do and it's just somebody who I haven't heard of so but uh, they were looking for a guy because what they had in Blount was a, a bulldozer back they don't have a bulldozer back now so I think signing ball I think they're getting him ready for that that playoff run where they need a guy who can just you know kind of mix and match you know the thunder and lightning not to not to bring back bad memories of uh, the Ron Dane era in New York, but I think they're looking for a big back to compliment James White. I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's on that playoff roster. Right. No, it's. Uh, I mean, the the fact that I, yeah, obviously New England, New England does its best with with talent that yeah you know you see where they go and they take them in and and they utilize them and Monte Ball obviously was ravaged by a groin injury last year and then had to deal with. Uh, other issues uh, down the road with with just uh, obviously fumbling issues back his first you know, his first year, uh, and and then he got lost in a shuffle last year with you know with C.J. Anderson for for Denver taking the reins and doing what Denver running backs do come out of nowhere and and decide to become a main back for however long they're they're on that team, but I I think I think he could be something I think he still got some some legs to him. Obviously that senior year, I mean, you and I have talked about it, but um, with that senior year, if he, if that was too many carries for him, but you know, he's, I think he, I think he can do make an impact in new England. And, and James white, I think uh, he's more in the mold of, of what you would call like a Terrell Fletcher. Like you, you remember the former Wisconsin running back that played primarily with the San Diego chargers in the nineties and, and being a pass catching threat, he, he can, he'll run a little bit, but that, the ability to catch out of the backfield and remember guys, uh, you know, he caught 39 passes, uh, his, in 2013, he was second on the team. I think he tied with, if I'm not mistaken, Jacob Pedersen for, for second on the team, uh, when the Pat, you know, Badgers were looking for a second wide receiver and, and, and they didn't find one. So he has that play, you know, that, that ability to, to make the catch out of the backfield, obviously he's a little smaller. So the blitz pickups may not necessarily be as great, but uh, we'll see what, what White and now what Ball can do. And uh, all you need is John Clay there now, and all of a sudden you'll have yourself a, uh, you know, get, uh, you know, you'll have yourself the uh, Wisconsin trio running backs. But, uh, but yeah, yeah I don't know, trade for, trade, they could trade for Melvin Gordon. There you go. But no, I think, uh, I think you might see, uh, I think you might see White and Ball actually end their season with a Super Bowl ring. I just, I, I didn't want, 
I, I think with the Denver situation being what it is, a quarterback, especially now that they seem to want to force Peyton Manning back in and with Dalton being hurt, I think the Patriots have a, a clearer path to the Super Bowl in the AFC, and uh, you might see two Badgers with rings. Who knows? I know, yeah. White won it last year with, with the Patriots, too. So it could be a second uh-huh. in two years, which is uh, intriguing. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, about it. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know. I got nothing else, brother. Uh, but no, it's always, as always, my friend, it's always great talking. And um, next week, obviously, it'll be uh, one of, uh, we'll, we'll have a show. We'll, we'll talk, obviously, Packers. We'll talk some Badgers. We'll, we'll dissect more. Uh, and, and then uh, maybe we'll save that for the holiday show. Maybe, I mean, the 30th is a Wednesday. So, yeah, we can do our, our holiday bowl preview on uh on that the two, two Tuesdays from now but we'll we'll come back next yeah. week we'll talk some bucks brewers badgers marquette uh packers obviously uh we'll I want to do a full breakdown of the uh Will Middlebrook signing so we can uh we can we can spend about two segments on that next week oh, wait wait which one the brewers signed Will Middlebrooks a former <laughs> uh, former top prospect with Boston like five years ago who's been a complete flop at third base since he got called up. So, you know, we could we could break that down and talk about how the Brewers might have the lowest payroll and a hundred losses. So <laughs> draft and develop. We uh we may see the Brewers become the uh the Houston Astros for twenty sixteen. Uh, so I I would I would I would bet on that. I would actually bet on that. <laughs> so uh, on that note guys you guys have a wonderful weekend Dozo Bachenia, enjoy the weekend uh, we'll see you guys next week and uh, guys take care accordion solo American polka played by Mr. John J. Kimball Edison Record <laughs> Thank you.